morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you're with the, well, the single L team this morning. I don't know where. We don't know where Lawson is. We hope he's okay. We hope he's going to come in with some kind of lame excuse. We're praying for Lawson this morning. And we're kind of expecting that he will arrive at some particular point. But anyway, we will see what happens. So let me share with you, as we get our radio day started, what I'm thankful for. Uh, I'm thankful for an amazing time that I had last week. I haven't had a time to talk about this. Last week with the Logan Reserve Church in Queensland. And of course, while I was up there... Uh, that's where my son is pastoring, and so we got to work together for a week, which was amazing. We did a series on the book of Daniel. Uh, people were blessed. Decisions were made. People gave their lives to Jesus Christ. There was just a fantastic opportunity to be able to talk about Jesus and to talk about what he was doing in the book of Daniel. And a lot of people you know, might not realize just how many times Jesus pops up in the book of Daniel. He's called the Son of God. He's called the Son of Man, he's called the uh, Messiah, all there in the book of Daniel. And you find the greatest messianic prophecy in chapter 9 that you'll find anywhere. And so I'm super thankful that I was able to go up to the Logan Reserve. Big big shout out to the Logan Reserve Church. We've got a number of uh, people who listen to the show right there. Of course, they listen on the app because unfortunately they don't have a transmitter in their location yet. But, you know, you never know what the future holds. We've got to keep praying. License might come up in that area and we might be able to get one for that particular location. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You're Welcome listening to back to Faith Wendell Kimbra. You're listening to <laughs> Wendell Kimbra. I am making all things new on the breakfast show this morning. <laughs> yeah, Lawson's making all things new, all right? <laughs> no, he isn't making all things. He's making one thing new. <laughs> okay, so I got. I, I just have to hear this one, Lawson. I just have to hear this one. Um, it kind of, you know, it's kind of reminiscent. You know, a, a long time ago, I do remember being on air one time when we were broadcasting from Big Camp. And Mon and I chased you down in your tent, <laughs> live on air. And I'm wondering whether we should start this procedure again. Yeah, well, you know what, you know what they say, old habits die hard. <laughs> and I'm laying in bed, yes, asleep, uh huh, and my asleep. phone starts to vibrate beside my head. Because your alarm is going off, right? No. No, it's no, not going off. It's because not going, my no, alarm is going it's because off. Because Faith FM Radio produces a show. Yeah, cool and I, I pick up said phone uh-huh. and I answer it. And I say, it, because as I'm lifting the phone to my face, I see the time and my heart just about comes out of my mouth. Like, <laughs> and I put the phone to my ear and I say, I'm late sorry, and then hang up and then throw some clothes on my floor on and then... So, 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 so for those of you who are listening, Lawson's sitting here wearing his floor robe this morning. Literally, I'm like, <laughs> my shirt is inside out. <laughs> were, hey, 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 hey. The shirt's clean. The pants I wore to work last night. I'm not wearing socks. it's it's pretty wild so basically this is is why you do radio not tv yeah and 
I I think that you know what. It was kind of like the realizing of my reoccurring dream that I have about being late for radio and hearing it on air whilst I'm driving to the studio. <laughs> but you know what? I thought I'd control my own reality by not even listening on the way here. I was like, I feel too much shame. No, you didn't listen because your hands were too filled trying to stay on the road. I know how this works. <laughs> yeah. But uh, ultimately, I am here. I am safe and we're, and we're glad. Fantastic. Let's talk about some positively different news this morning now that you're here. To All right. Positively, positively different news. Different news. Oh, okay. I don't know which one I should talk about first. Maybe the fact that, dude, it's just the trend now. It's just 100%. It's the cool, hip trend thing to do to use drones for farming. That's just... Oh, absolutely. And they just have every single application. And one of the current applications that it has um, is specifically looking after uh, baby calves. That have just come out nice. of the moment. So check it nice. out. There's yes. this calf. Its name is Jujube, which is the best. Like, it's not Juju, it's Jujube, which is the most epic name ever. Jujube. Um, and this farmer is like, it's a, it's a sick calf. It has difficulty walking. It's only born a few weeks ago. Uh, and like, it can't stand. So it's unable to follow the herd, unable to nurse, uh, unable to roam around the vast expanse of its pasture. And so to look after this calf, to make sure it's doing okay and to be able to uh, get supplies to it and whatnot, they're, they're using the drone technique. Yes. Basically, this farmer, he flies his drone around on his many hundred, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acres of land. And he finds Juju because Juju will, like, stand up and move, move a bit and then sit down, back down. And he'll just be in the house. I was like, oh, I wonder what Jujube's up to. And just like flies his drone over there, makes sure Jujube's okay. He goes like, oh, you know, it's been a couple of hours. Might go get some some stuff out to her. Um, you know, how far is she from the herd? Had they returned yet? Dude, it's like the most epic thing ever. I'm like, this is, I wish I lived this life. Absolutely. I wish I, wish I was a cow. Yes. Dude, it'd be awesome. Well, yeah, for a while. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess Until I you turn up at the abattoir and it's like, ooh, what am I doing here? <laughs> What like, is this place? Stand, standing down down the face of a production line. You're like, is that for me? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, that's heavy. Um, but yeah, currently, Gigi of the calf is going under a number of treatments, just being uh, injected with antibiotics and anti-inflammatories, uh, just to be able to get it walking again. But for the time being, it's just chilling out. There you go. Laying down. Uh-huh. Yep. And being looked after. I have and another... You, just, 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 just going to point out, if you were a cow right now, you would be outside... In the rain and the wind. Yeah, but I'd be okay like with that. I'm a cow. 10 degrees. Yeah. Cows, cows don't get sad. Actually, no, I read something about depressed cows one time. Okay. So maybe that's not a good idea. Yeah, I think you should scrap that idea. Maybe you <laughs> tried it. Didn't work out well for him. I should, I should, uh, I should uh, be grateful for the human Be grateful for the fact that, that you're a human and mm, not a cow. Amen. All right. I just have another quick thing I wanted to talk about some more uh, activism in terms of saving the rainforest from uh, coming from an NGO that has 150 brands currently uniting behind it um, to improve paper recycling and to stop deforestation. So this is good. Yeah, 100%. This NGO is called Pack for Good. It is a campaign by the NGO Canopy, and it is the fastest-growing corporate responsibility platform in the United States for ensuring paper packaging is not coming um, from virgin, endangered, or valuable forests. 
Right. Because this is the thing is that, like, you can't say that deforestation is going to happen because people specifically plant trees to be able to cut them down and use them for paper and wood. And, you know, we, it is a renewable resource. Exactly. Yeah. But the, the biggest issue that they're finding is that when people, you know, they find like vast land of forest and go, wow, look at all these resources and then cut the whole thing down or burn it up or whatever it may be, clear the land um, or, or ex, you know, extract the wood or the paper or whatever it may be and just destroy the environment. Yeah, there's a difference between plantation forests and old growth forests mm. and they need to be managed wisely. One of the challenges that we've got with plantation forests is that the faster growing trees like uh, are usually conifers which don't do as much good for the environment. They don't take as much carbon out of the environment as mm. your slower growing trees like uh, eucalyptus and so forth. Mm. Yeah, oh man, I just actually is just remembering back to an experience. I was in Malaysia in 2015 and Malaysia was suing, the Malaysian government was suing the Indonesian government for I think like $10 billion or something because the Indonesian government, uh, well, had enabled, you know, big companies to basically go into a, a forest in Indonesia and burn the whole thing down and clear all the land and extract all the wood and everything, which created a massive smoke cloud that covered Singapore and Malaysia and, like, multiple countries. And I was in Malaysia at the time, and, you, you know, they were like, oh, don't go outside because if you breathe, you'll die. Um, you know, kind of reminiscent of what life's like right now. But essentially, yes, all of these companies are getting behind. And there's big names here as well, like, which, are, which I find quite interesting because some of these names have been under scrutiny just quite recently of not doing the right thing. Yeah, and it's one of these things that I find you particularly see in developing countries mm. where, you know, the loggers come in and they have no conscience and they're just mm. like, you know, we'll take whatever timber from wherever that we can. Mm. You know, you look at more developed countries like the United States and logging can actually be quite challenging. Mm. Often you will have loggers who are only cutting dead trees. Yeah, wow. Unless the tree dies naturally, there are places there where you don't cut trees down unless they have died naturally. And so... Trees that have died become incredibly valuable. One of the things that bothers me here in Australia is the tremendous amount of timber that we waste. Mm. I have uh, lots of family in the United States who are loggers, and they will be using, you know, a, a, a piece of, you know, a tree, a limb, uh, whatever that's six inches around, and they're cutting building studs out of it. Mm. You know, whereas we're just burning that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's just a, uh, a, a criminal waste and you see so much of our timber that just goes to chip, you know, just chipped and turned into yeah. compost, whereas it could be used for something more useful in our world. And that's what they're doing now. The statistics are showing that they're already reducing numbers of burnt-down forests by f- up to 40%. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. All right, Lyle, what's happening in current news? Okay, talking about more serious news stories, uh, the, um, there are 24 locked-out pubs and clubs across Newcastle. So this is a local story for you and I, oh, yeah. uh, Lawson, that will now be free to open until 3.30. Uh, of course, Australia led the world some years ago in creating lockout laws and reducing violence and reducing alcoholism. Mm. And now we are going backwards at a... About as fast a rate as we possibly can. It's called the Newcastle Solution. I'm not sure what it's a solution for. It's certainly a solution for creating heartache and pain and alcohol addiction and violence. Uh, The Newcastle Police Commander Wayne Humphrey has described it as absolute lunacy. Mm. Um, It supported... uh, He, 
The police com- commander has been supported by uh, Hunter Health and other anti-violence campaigners. Uh, these were laws that really transformed Sydney, Newcastle, a number of other cities around Australia when they came into uh, being some years ago, and now we're going backwards. Of course, this follows a smaller trial that took place focusing on smaller bars back in uh, 2020. At that time, the person who was leading the review and re- leading the trial, uh, One Nation MP Mark Latham, said, quote, There is no need or intention to touch any of the existing rules governing pubs and clubs in Newcastle. Mm. Well, nine months later, that all changed in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And now we have those being uh, opened to a much later period. Mm. Uh, this is just insanity. I don't know why we would be doing this, particularly during COVID. Mm. You know, why would we have, why would we be easing the restrictions on pubs and clubs during COVID when, whenever there's an outbreak, churches get absolutely slammed? Yeah, well. And churches have not been a centre of transmission of COVID, whereas pubs and clubs have consistently been areas of transmission of COVID. People who go to church are going there to learn how to be more moral human beings. People who are going to pubs and clubs are drinking, taking drugs that make them less inhibited. It makes zero sense. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's where we are. <laughs> okay, so uh, talking about uh, CO2 levels that you were mentioning in your story earlier, they have just reached their highest level ever since records have been kept in the last 68 years. And this is despite lockdowns across the world that have closed industries all over the place. And so, so what's you've the got, result? You've got massive, massive lockdowns. Uh, I think it was like 417 was the number I think was given, and I'm not sure exactly what that means, but it's the highest ever. It's never been that high ever before. And you've got, you know, across China and India and places like this, you've got large areas that where industry has closed down for significant periods of time, and even with that, the CO2 levels have gone through the roof. Yeah, so 417, that represents parts per million. That's how they measure, oh, something like that, measure yeah. carbon. Uh, okay, is there is there any indication as to what it could be from? Industry. Yeah, but industry, you just made the point, closed down. Yeah, exactly, but industry, of course, is increasing uh, around the world in you know because we build more industry the mm-hmm. population mm-hmm. you know etc 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 and so yeah it's just uh, even even when you have big close downs imagine where it would be if we weren't closing down yikes dude oh yes okay. anyway Heavy. this is an interesting one uh, the biden government just re- released a report on the covid virus and its origin stating that the wuhan Wu, a wuhan lab leak is uh, very plausible and requires further investigation uh, particularly in that three researchers were hospitalised in November with flu-like symptoms uh, before the November before, before COVID. Uh, and we all understand that, well, actually not that many people who catch COVID end up in hospital. Mm. So you kind of wonder if there was three that were hospitalised, how many were there by November that already had the virus mm. and how fast was it spreading? Yeah, well, of course. And these guys were from the lab. Mm. That kind of raises a bit of a red flag, doesn't it? Yeah, well, we covered the story last week when it came out. You know, the doctor, uh, what was his name again? Fau- Fauci? 
Dr. Fauci and like like he's the the lead virologist in the United States who'd been controlling the COVID investigation and action plan and everything and how at the time you know the whole conspiracy that it had come from the what well, they were calling a conspiracy they were like making the point like oh this seems engineered it seems very plausible that this is coming from a lab oh and there's a lab in Wuhan oh and it all makes sense now and then then they stopped, then they turned tact, and, of course, all that came out last week, and then... Well, people have been talking about it coming out of that lab ever since it came out and been accused of cons- being conspiracy theorists, and now it's pros- well, possibly not a conspiracy theory. Well, this th- this is the point. Like, starting last week with Fauci, it was like, oh, well, the medical experts at the time believe that it's very plausible that it could have came out of the lab before switching tact last minute to... Uh, actually, it's a, it's a natural thing even though we've observed it to look engineered. And now, yeah, wow, now yeah. everyone's... everyone's. Mm, hey, what about these anom arrests, eh? I have no idea what he means. Oh, this was this is massive. Mm-hmm. Um, so just the, 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 the latest, because um, Lawson, he's just slept through everything. Oh, God. <laughs> I've, I've slept the latest, through news. The latest is that there have so far been 800 arrests across 16 countries. They have collected, and this has been in the last uh, uh, 12 to 24 hours, uh, collected 32 tonnes of drugs, 250 guns, 55 luxury cars, $150 million in cash. And, of course, even though there has been 800 arrests, uh, this ANOM app was being used by over 9,000 thousand criminals across the world it was only used it was used exclusively by criminals many of those are now on the run and so there's a whole bunch more arrests to come this is positively different news that okay 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 because so, you said 100 Lawson just slept through the, all right all right so, the, the so it was 150 million dollars in cash yes but you've got how many tons there of drugs 32 tons that that right there that's that's a multi-billion dollar oh just bust. billions and billions of dollars that is insane. That is just like That's the fantastic. most epically successful police operation I have ever heard and of. And we congratulations internationally too. Congratulations to every uh, all of the police that were involved in that, and of course, uh, a lot of the technical side of it headed up by the federal police here in Australia. Oh, epic! Good job, guys. Let's yes. go. All right. So finally, we have uh, Kellogg's. Hmm. Who used to be a company that were it was eagerly looking forward to the return of Christ? Yeah, wow! And now they've managed to sexualize their cereal, their children's cereal boxes. Wow! So they made purple boxes um, and put gay pride themes all over them, and encouraged children with the wording on the boxes to explore their sexual identity. Children shouldn't be exploring their sexual identity; <laughs> they should be playing with Legos and Meccano. <laughs> What on earth are we trying to do to our children? Yeah. Sexual identity mm. is something for adults to deal with. Why are we peddling this to two-year-olds? Mm. Mm. Um, of course, they've put them out of filled with berry-flavoured rainbow hearts dusted with edible glitter. And for every box sold, they're going to donate $3 to the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Now, I totally support being against defamation. Mm-hmm. Just want to say that we shouldn't be defaming anyone, but we also shouldn't be targeting children and sexualizing children. That's a form of 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 abuse of abuse of children and 
grooming them for pedophilia. Wow. Mm-hmm. They're grooming children on their cereal boxes. This is absolutely disgusting to think where they came from. Mm. 150 years ago, excited about the return of Christ, and now this. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Uh, quick text message just came through from James. He says, I went to Logan Reserve. I was talking about that earlier before you arrived, Lawson, mm-hmm. um, for the first time a few weeks ago. Such a lovely and friendly church. So a big shout-out to Logan Reserve. But joining us on the phone right now is David Haupt for our weekly update. And, David, welcome to the show. I understand that today we're going to talk about high-functioning anxiety. Good morning, guys. You got really anxious there for a few seconds with all those uh, those quizzes. <laughs> I think yeah. I back. <laughs> ah, very good, fantastic. Hey, uh, David, what what what's what what are we talking about when we talk about high functioning anxiety? What what exactly is this? High functioning anxiety is not really a uh, a recognised mental health disorder, but it's a constellation. It's a catch all phrase that we use for people that are battling with anxiety, but are not held back by the anxiety. Now, what I mean by that. Uh, the, the symptom of anxiety normally makes us to freeze in, in the moment, so we are unable to move forward. But high-functioning anxiety is a, a disorder of anxiousness, of anxiety, nevertheless, but it actually propels people to move forward, and they so often look as though they've got it all together. They, they're functioning well. They uh, arrive early at work. They are the picture of success. They, sorry, they impeccably dressed. Their hairs neatly styled. They driven in their work. They uh, never miss a deadline and never fallen short in uh, you know in the tasks that are given to them. Always willing to help other people. Uh, busy, busy, busy. But in the inner soul, they are anxious and are being hampered and being crippled by it, but they present as a type A personality. Yeah, I was just going to say, David, as you were describing the kind of person that uh, that has this, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I need some more high-functioning anxiety in my life because yeah. I'm not, this is I'm not achieving all. all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so in other words, this person is fighting in, in their private lives. They're fighting a constant churning of anxiety in their life. Their internal self-talk is in overdrive. They regularly criticize themselves. They can never say no. In other words, they always, everything to every person, and uh, people around them will say, this is the ideal employee, this is the ideal friend, because they are always a go-getter. But very quickly to burn out, very quickly to reach a point in their private life where they say, I just can't move forward anymore. Right. So it kind of then flips from one extreme to the other once that burnout kicks in. And a lot of us so often hide it behind, you know, they're always happy, they always tell jokes, they're always smiling, they're arriving early for appointments, they plan ahead. Uh, for all possibilities, they are well organized, high achievers, detailed uh, oriented, orderly and tidy. They're active, they're helpful, they appear outwardly calm and collected, they're passionate, they're loyal in their relationships. 
But yes. then the flip side is that they reach a point where they just can't move forward anymore. But the difficulty is that they can't talk about it because that means that they're a failure. That means that they're disappointing people. That means that eventually they reach a point where they just give everything up and mentally they, they break into pieces. All right, so the key for these people then is to deal with that anxiety so that they can continue to function effectively without burning out. Exactly, exactly. And I know that our time is very short this morning, so I'm just going to jump into some daily tips that uh, we, we can give these people. Yes. A lot. And um, to go search for help, if you recognize these symptoms in, in your listeners, then I would like to say to your listeners, don't be afraid to put up your hand, to go to a professional. Cognitive behavioral therapy actually can help. Sometimes doctors will prescribe medication, but I would want to suggest to our listeners to spend 10 minutes a day working on their mental health, to limit their caffeine intake, limit the alcohol, which, well, I would even suggest completely eliminate alcohol because that is often a thing that people turn to to try and self-medicate. Make sure that they eat healthy, regular exercise. Make sure that your sleep hygiene is correct. In other words, that you have regular bedtime, that you don't stay in bed as your mind starts to churn through negative things. Rather get up, do things, calm your mind down. Um, Look at some of your your thought patterns and when you see that negative thinking happening in your life, make sure that you dispute those and you correct your your thinking uh, patterns. Practice deep breathing and progressive muscle relaxation and don't be afraid to put up your hand and say, I need assistance, I need help with this. Yeah, it sounds like a a lot of really um, good advice that you're giving there, David, as far as... um you know, getting some help for this. And I think, you know, one of the biggest things there is, you know, and particularly for us guys, David, I think we really find it hard to admit that there's a problem and to actually go and talk to somebody and to and to get help. Um, I know that, you know, I would certainly fall into that category because as men, you know, we, we never fail. You know, we're just never failures. Well, I need to make a confession that as I was preparing for day, today's presentation, I realised that... Uh, you know, if it is not for God's grace, I would fall into this category because I am driven. I have a battle to to say no to people. I don't want to disappoint people. I'm a type A personality. And while it is good for the employer, it is not always good for the family because it is often our families that suffer because of that. And so is this a situ- is this the kind of person then who tends to put work before family? Very much so, because they they want not to disappoint anyone. The sad thing is that they actually then disappoint their own family. So they rob their family from the uh, the presence that they should have given their family because they've so exerted their energy in, in the workplace or in socially that when they get home, they actually want to withdraw into a cocoon. They do not want to communicate. I, for instance, uh, run weekend programs where I give everything. And when I come home, my wife says, let's go out, let's go and visit friends. And I say, no, I don't want to go and, and visit friends. I don't want to talk. I've been talking the entire weekend. 
So I isolate my family in the same process. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is obviously something that you're dealing with in in your own personal life, and I guess that gives a tremendous amount of credibility to what you're sharing here this morning because uh, you talk about the solutions to actually being able to deal with this. When it comes to time with your family, I mean, we all go through periods of time where our work is going to consume us. That's part of you know the life that we live. Those are um, uh, those those occasions are going to happen, but how do you actually go about then? You know, setting time aside to spend with the family, scheduling it in. Do you do you schedule in a date night? Do you have holiday times that are scheduled in? Do you have time scheduled in where it's like, okay, I'm switching my phone off, don't call me, or I'm driving to a location to to uh, to go on holiday where you know there is no service. Um, those, what what do you actually do from a a very practical level to be able to make that time for your family. I run a very, very extremely busy schedule. Uh, I work on a year plan, so I actually sit down and I plan my entire year. Where I, I schedule my time for work, I schedule my time for uh, preparation of programs, programs that I'm running. But at the same time, I also schedule weekend breaks. I also schedule a day off. I schedule time for my family. And I sit down with my family and say, these are the moments that I would be available. I'm going to work at top speed in these areas, but then I'm going to take a break. And uh, you've so often caught me on the road. And I make sure that when I've been away from home for a period of time, I actually take um a break. So this is a upcoming long weekend. I actually have scheduled this long weekend as a family weekend where I have nothing scheduled other spending the long weekend with my family. I'm busy in the middle of running community programs, eight week program and uh, we've moved our Monday nights that we normally meet. Monday is a public holiday. Uh, while the people wanted to get together, I said, I'm proposing let's meet on Tuesday because I've got a date with my family, with my wife, and nothing is going to deter me from uh, you know, keeping that appointment. Yes, and I think it's one of those things that you know people in our society today they fully understand it when you when 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 you know they ask for a particular service and you look at your diary and you say, well, in um, in, in my in my diary, I have an appointment on that particular day. Um, I'm, I'm unable to see you that day. We we can do it another day or whatever it might be. People don't have to ask what the appointment is. They get the fact that you have an appointment and that appointment might be with your family. And maybe, you know, when we put our diary together, when we put our schedule together, you know, regardless of whether it's paper or electronic, whatever it is, if we put things into that schedule, if we actually put appointments into that schedule, that then gives us an excuse and a reason to say no when other people want to take that time? Lyle, when I started with my work, um, I couldn't do that. I just could not say no to people. I felt that I failed them. I felt in my my work, my ministry. And uh, I would actually uh, put my family aside in order to meet the needs of other people. And I've come to the realization that I have actually um, been unfaithful to my family in that way. So um, I've learned this lesson where I I schedule it and the first time I did it, I actually uh, brought my calendar, blank calendar to my family. I said, you people choose the weekends 
that you want me to only spend time with you. My daughter looked at my calendar and said, Dad, but there's nothing on it. It's blank. And uh, I said, that's it. I give you people the first right to claim a week, and I gave them the frequency. And my daughter just burst out in tears because for the first time in her life, she recognized that her father was placing her first before other people. And it made a huge impact on our relationship, but it also made a huge I'm able to function at an extreme pace, but only because I've scheduled those breaks and that connection with my family. Mm, this is a very, very personal story. Do you think that um, people who are in, who are in service-based callings are more prone to this? Very much so. Um, it's very interesting that people that are giving of themselves to the community, to people that are in crisis, face a much easier burnout and reach a point where anxiousness take control. I've had the experiences where knowing that there's two more people waiting in the waiting room for me to see them uh, would bring up this tremendous pressure in my chest to the point where it feels that it's going to burst because I know that I've given so much since very early in the morning and I just cannot see any more people. That is when I schedule a five-minute break. Mm -hmm. And that five-minute break helps me to be able to function again. But that is a signal of danger. And if I do not respond to that signal, I will actually not be able to function long-term. David, thank you so much for sharing a very personal story this morning and one and, and your testimony of how you actually deal with your mental health. It's been very, very powerful. We need Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.